Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, and today I'm rejoined by Stacey Patton to continue our conversation, including are the Knicks a top five team in the Eastern Conference and what Emmanuel quickly has to do to take the next step right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Hey, what's up, guys? You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we're now available on all platforms. You know this already. If you're seeing my smiling face, uh, we are on YouTube. So please go. This, this is this is your Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever holiday you celebrate this time of year. Present to me. Go throw us a subscription. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And this is part two of our uh, post-Chicago Bulls recap. This one we're going a little bit more big picture on. We're going to talk about the next place. In the Eastern Conference, and I'm going to talk Emmanuel quickly with my guy Stacy Patton. Uh, but we start off talking about RJ Barrett. So, without further ado, here are Stacy's thoughts on RJ's continued growth right now on Locked On Knicks. Yeah, and I mean, and and now, um, you know, I think I do think Deuce and Grimes minutes are the game changer, and I think a lot of people, you know, th- there were a lot of people last year when those were raised as solutions, you know, when Kemba and Evan were struggling a lot, right? Uh, not even to just take away all their minutes, but, um, you know, just to inject them to, to give you some better matchups, right, on the perimeter. You know, those are thrown out as, you know, uh, I think even Brian Windhorst said today, he, he had a clip where he was talking about the Knicks defensive improvement. He was like, Deuce McBride's getting minutes, and a lot of hardcore Knicks fans were like, that's the guy when they were struggling. And I was like, that's the guy who's going to make a difference? And Windhorse was like, but I, I think Windhorse should have added, like, well, I was wrong, and he did make a difference. And so does Grimes, right? And and I think that Grimes didn't play much earlier this year. We don't know how much of that was injury, but he was listed as active and, and uh, not playing. Um, Deuce didn't get to – and we saw it last year, right? The Knicks didn't really improve on defense. They finished 11th in defensive rating. Late in the year, they had some great defensive performances, by playing and it's not playing the young guys necessarily over the older guys i don't even think you i think they could be doing pretty well even if fournier was part of the rotation still um but you're just mixing and matching and creating some better uh, situations so that brunson you know if you still have brunson out there he's not a good defender uh but instead of guarding DeRozan or levine he's guarding alex caruso right you could have had kemba walker out there but the same thing right if you played him next to grimes earlier last year um, and I think that it's worth noting that, yeah, like a lot of those, I don't think that's going to, I think most people will go to, well, they probably weren't ready before and Tibbs deserves credit for the development. And I don't want to complain like better late than never. It's a little annoying that it took them this long to get here, but they're now at 15 and 13. And if you look at their upcoming schedule, um, you know, they're at the point where they were at last year, I think, in the second half where we figured out that, yeah, this this team can play and, and be pretty fun. You know, they have um, 
they have some winnable games coming up. They have this same Bulls team who um, they did have a hot sh- three-point shooting night tonight. But, um, you know, Gavin, maybe you disagree, but I think pretty much everything else went wrong for the Knicks in many ways. Yeah. Um, in terms of turnover, I mean, um, you are you're a better man than I for not me- mentioning the officials. And, and, you know, maybe on a rewatch, I- I'm wrong. But I-, I did not feel like they got the benefit of the whistle. Um you know, they shot 18 for 34 from three. Maybe that doesn't happen again. But, um, you know, other than that, I thought that um, I thought that the, the matchups favored them. Uh, I think they, they can replicate a lot of what they did. And then you look going forward, you know, they have, um, you know, they have a couple of tough teams, but they're at home. So um, just pulling up the schedule here. They got um, they got Indiana on the road. Indiana's playing some great basketball. But I think the Knicks have the talent advantage there. Um, ben Matherin had a really good game against them in preseason. It'll be interesting to see if uh, adding Grimes back into the mix can change that. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton is playing as well as anyone in the NBA right now. Um, they have a two-game homestand, three-game or, well, four-game homestand against uh, Warriors, Raptors, the same Bulls team, and the Sixers. Uh, Warriors and Raptors obviously have the talent advantage, but those are at home um, where the Knicks haven't necessarily been better, but um, you know, a split there, continue to be competitive would be good. And then, um, and I I think they can sweep this Bulls team. And then, um, you know, the Sixers, Embiid is always a beast, but Mitchell Robinson's playing as well as he ever has. And, um, you know, the, the, the Sixers haven't played good basketball. Uh, this is, a, I mean, they have the opportunity over the next month or so, I think, to to stretch this out and, and maintain, stay three, four, five games over 500. Um, and that'd be huge. And, and right now they're, um, you know, they're in the sixth seed, right? Um, and just a half game back of Philadelphia. Um, and I mean, the, this East really, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll throw this to you too. There's, there's three teams I would put head and shoulders above the Knicks in the East. Uh, the Celtics, the Bucks, and I still have to say the Cavs, even though I thought they played terrific the last time they played the Cavs. Yeah. In a playoff series, I'm still going to take the perimeter shot making the Cavs can give them, uh, the Cavs get from, from Mitchell and Garland. But after that, um, the Knicks overtook the Pacers tonight. I think it's, I would still put higher odds in the Pacers being in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes than them making the playoffs as good as they've been. Um, just because, um, you know, it would make more sense for them. But you look at the other. The Nets have been playing really good basketball. They've been playing really good on defense. They're always an enigma, right? Um, the Sixers have not been playing good basketball at all. Um, the Heat are really struggling. And, um, I mean, the Hawks are the ninth seed right now. And, you know, the Knicks did face them without De- DeJounte Murray, but... There's there's very few teams in the East that that scare me, you know. Uh, I I would right now I'd put only those three teams as like head and shoulders above the Knicks. Obviously, the Nets have the capability of getting there, and the Sixers probably do too. But right now, that's how I see it. Yeah, I I think it's so contingent on on Julius continuing to play the way he's playing on both ends of the floor, and having again him and Brunson as as two legitimate all star type of players just dramatically raises the ceiling of this team and. And I think we saw it a little bit in the fourth quarter that when those two guys aren't clicking at optimal levels or, or just aren't able to be on the court together the whole time because this rotation's so limited, you got to give each of them a breather. 
that there is still a lack of um, like off the dribble creation. Um, and, and I, I'm sure you, I, as I know you love the guy, I'm sure like me, you're hoping Emmanuel quickly can take up some of that role. I'm, I'm hoping maybe the second half of the season, Quentin Grimes can expand his game a little bit in, in that respect. And I'm hoping RJ can maintain oh, his yeah. efficiency. But to me, that, that is the biggest swing factor. Like, do you have enough guys who can step up and create offense when eventually, like, I think we're going to, we're, we're due for a six for 22 type of game from Julius Randle. Like, and, and, and maybe that just means you, you lose that one night and then, and then he's kind of back to who he's been these last few games, but you need him to maintain. And then you need, you can't more have a tertiary. spiral like that, right? That's yeah, exactly. Point. Yeah. Um, you need more tertiary pieces to step up. And, and, and to that point, like even when Randall's not shooting well, he has to keep doing all like his, his effort cannot be contingent on shot making. And I think for most of his next tenure, it has been. Um, so we'll, 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 we'll get a chance to see how much that's evolved, but I, I think it's a good point by you because look, I, I've gone over these last five games and when the Knicks started um, three and one this year, right? I, I was super high on them and I was talking to myself, talking myself into, all right, maybe they're quite a bit better than I thought they were. And then when they weren't, I was trying to apply that same level of pessimism. These last five games It's like, all right, well, Cleveland just shot really bad. Atlanta was missing three starters. Um, one of them being DeJounte Murray. Charlotte is terrible. Sacramento was missing De'Aaron Fox. Um, tonight you're playing a Bulls team that probably is more frontline talent than the Knicks, but is missing Lonzo ball and, 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 and is really struggling. Um, and you can do that individually, but when you look at a five game sample size and at a certain point, you just got to say like winning in the NBA is tough. And, and this is the Knicks and team. One of those has, did come against Cleveland. Like, that's, right. Was just exactly. Different. And, um, and time and time again, like you find a way to beat the team in front of you. Like it, it, it is at the point where it's substantial. And I, I think legitimately, if we want to talk big picture, you got to change your perspective a little bit on, on, on what this team is going to be and, and start believing that like, all right, they, it could really just be the fifth or sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. We will be back in just a sec to continue this conversation on just how good the New York Knicks are. But first, we all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix. I know I have. This will change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge The Office on UK Netflix. It's so simple to do. Just sign to Netflix. Fire up the ExpressVPN app. Change your location to the UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries to just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Personally, I'm heading to South Korea. I want to watch Parasite on South Korea Netflix with my Netflix subscription. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there. But the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD, no problem. ExpressVPN also works on all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more, so you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now. You can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on expressvpn.com slash locked to learn more. Yeah. And I mean, um, and we can debate the, you know, how important that is long-term. I think yeah. since they're doing it on the backs of the young guys, that makes it a little bit more meaningful. And, and if Julius is going to play like this, then you have to count him as a young guy, right? He's 28, right? Yeah. He's the, um, yeah. And under, I mean, it's such a fine line between we talk about, man, Julius Randle is under contract for four years versus he plays like tonight. You're like, oh yeah, we have he a He is under contract for four years. 
we have them. We have a lo- locked on Randall for the next yeah. four years. So yeah. um, great, great, great promotion. <laughs> um, no, I, I and I think and even before that, they I, they played a pretty competitive game against the Bucks. I think I looked at that through more. Um, I don't want to say rose colored glasses because I don't know what color Leon Rose's glasses are, but hmm. I looked at that game. They lost the Bucks a little bit more positively than a lot of Knicks fans. Um, but they they played them tough. Um, and again, that's a team I think that is head and shoulders above them. But I think the Knicks still profile as a team, especially under, they are what they've been under Tibbs for the most part, um, which is, you know, a team that's, that's largely going to beat the teams that are below them, probably play the teams in their tier even, and then lose to the, the Milwaukee's and the Golden States of the world. But I think, A, there are fewer Milwaukee's and Golden States this year. And last year, a big issue was how many games they did blow against teams that they shouldn't have lost to. Um, you know, they've had kind of blown leads. Um, so I think that that's, that's coming out. And then the last thing I'll add is that, you know, for those who would want to tank, and there is a lot of really good top, top end talent in this draft, the Knicks are, um, the Knicks are likely to have two picks in the team. Um, Luca could go nuclear and maybe the pick, their pick ends up 23. Right. But even at that point, if you look at, you know, I mentioned this on Pod Strickland. There's a guy who's six eight, shooting forty three percent from three, elite three level scorer who reminds some people of Carmelo Anthony. Um, his dad is probably really good friends with World Wide West. Um, I'm sure this is a guy that the the you know Wall Perrin and company have their eye on. Um, but um, and yes, I am a little bit biased. But but Jet Howard is just a guy, and he would plug in. He's just a guy in this draft. Uh, he might not go over to before pick 20 because there's a million guys like that in this draft. Um, and, um, and so, you know, yes, like when looks like a franchise changer, Scoot Henderson would go number one in like 99% of draft. Um, the Thompson twins are freaks, but there's a lot of guys who just, you have these, the, what the Knicks, I think the missing piece aside from just like a superstar is like that six, seven, athletic three-level scorer who can switch on defense, right? That's why we all wanted the Cam Reddish thing to work out so badly. Mm. That is the missing link. That's what was frustrating about them trading out of the first round this year. Um, and they have the, they should walk out with at least one guy this draft. And, um, and because the draft is so stacked, a lot of the guys that are going to be available are going to be good. So if you ask me today, like, if they finish this season as a fifth or sixth seed, and I see that R.J. Barrett is takes a step consistent three-point shooting picks up the defense um, i really think the playmaking has been the most impressive improvement over the last couple of games where he's he's not getting the same level of tunnel vision and i think when he when he's open to passing he's not just a simple read guy this is a guy who's capable of like he's been throwing these like no look opposite corner passes like i'm not gonna say he's luka Doncic, but he's thrown a couple of passes like that are advanced stuff he's capable of that and you tell me that Grimes has established himself as like a high level three and D player quickly looks like um, at minimum, you know, like a high level two way guard. Um, you know, you see all these things happening and then you add another wing like that, uh, you know, or maybe two, right. Um, or like, you know, maybe one like wing who profiles as like a high level role player, like the kind of guy maybe we would have had in Devin Vassell if we took him. Um, get a guy like that and then maybe another like flyer right there's because you can kind of get whatever you want in this draft um that's probably a better situation for them to be in than 
anything short of Wemby, Scoot, or the Thompson twins, which you're not guaranteed to get one of those unless you really, really tank. Yeah. And so I think that that will be a pretty good spot for them to be in. I'm not going to argue that that's better than getting Wemanyama because he's nuts. But, um, you know, I think that the direction that the Knicks are in now, and of course, if they do get the fifth or sixth seed, it probably means Julius's contract isn't that bad. Um, they're probably going to have an easier time getting off Fournier's contract in the offseason. Ditto for Rose. Um, you know, it's 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 trending in the right direction. So, Yeah, and I, I think the the point that I keep coming back to is if you're playing the young guys and winning, like, sorry, there, were, there was never really an avenue to tank, right? <laughs> Unless you were insisting on playing Derrick Rose 30 minutes a game, having Fournier 30 minutes a game. And, and then high you, look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, I mean, he might even be an upgrade on some of the guys who were playing, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you're talking about a total dissolution of your culture at that point, and I, I'm and I I was kind of like just find a way to be as bad as possible. Like that was sort of my thought going into the season, and I, I'm I'm with you. I've kind of come off that. Um, so Stacy, we can we can end on this because you you are um, uh, Knicks Nation's uh, foremost Emmanuel quickly stan and and expert. So I I would be remiss if I didn't ask about him specifically, even though we we, we just did do a full episode on him. But I'm I'm curious to get your take because. He, he does so many things great, right? I mean, the defense in this game was was outstanding. Three three different steals where, I mean, this is what he's been doing all season, right? Just in, insane, like, spidey senses uh, level of anticipation. Um, like, knowing where the one outlet is on the court and, and getting to the spot before the offensive player does. Had three different interceptions this game through a perfectly weighted lob to Jericho Sims off, off a really neat play that the Knicks like to run a lot um, to, to get him slipping around two screens. Um, hit a, hit a pull-up elbow jumper that he he never would have even attempted really before this year um hit a, hit a crazy floater where he was running to his right and, and then kind of just fading left um and, and put it up with the right hand and and swished it in um hit that big three that you mentioned all that good stuff and yet i i keep whenever i watch him i'm like this guy just he, he doesn't really know who he's supposed to be or what he's supposed to do for this team and i, I think what was so impactful for him his rookie season is that there was just a lot of clarity on his role and how shot um, first, uh, shoot first, shoot second, shoot third, he was allowed to be. And I think that gave him the confidence to be more ambitious as a three-point shooter and, and to play as sort of a Steph light. And I think now that he has more options on the table and he, he is a better passer and he is a better driver and he has better players around him that he's, he has to prop up, I, I think you, you see an identity crisis at times. But what, what have you made of his season? What, what, what did you think of him tonight? All right, guys, Stacy is somewhat of an Emmanuel Quickly expert, so we are going to wrap up talking about IQ and uh, what he has to do to put it all together, particularly in terms of his three-point shooting. But first, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyways? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows the risks of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one minute to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Yeah, I mean, if you told me when he was a rookie that he was going to be this level of defender, uh, improve this much as a passer, uh, I think Schwinn mentioned this. And so uh, I, 
I think I have been on Pod Strickland, at least the resident pessimist, relatively speaking, on quickly this year. Um, but he is still um, career high in potential assists. So uh, the playmaking has been there. Um, I, I I think that you hit the nail on the head. Um, it's it just the the play that everyone really seemed to criticize him on Twitter for was end of the third quarter. He shoots from like 30 feet um, wide open. And it was because it was a two for one. And Clyde and Breed immediately said, you know, a lot of these two for ones, it's a bad shot. I think that's a bad shot for Megan quickly. Uh, it's a shot he was taking a lot as a rookie. Nobody was near him. Um, and um, it's a shot he can get whenever he wants. That's the only time you see him take that shot now. Uh, you know, he's still willing to pull when somebody goes under a screen, but kind of the, you know, the, the step backs or some of the kind of really difficult, he's eliminated, I think, the difficult three-pointers, yeah. which would be more playable if he wasn't also taking so many difficult, like the mid-range shot you mentioned, I'm, gra- I'm glad he has that in his bag. But, um, you know, it's not, um, you know, it's, it's not a shot I want him taking more than threes. Uh, you know, and he's averaging right now a career low. He's only taking eight threes per hundred possessions. He took twelve point two as a rookie, uh, eleven last year. Um, I do think it's a bit of an identity crisis. I think he's very determined to prove he can be a point guard. But I think he's also, I, I let me word this carefully because I don't think this is Tibbs's fault. It is an Emmanuel quickly issue, and it's something he needs to work through. But I do think he does worry about you know. Um, about taking a bad shot when maybe Randall or someone else is out there. I think that last year, the second part, and and not, again, that's not a Randall issue. That's just him maybe understanding the opportunity cost of his shots and, and over and undervaluing how good he is on offense as a shooter. Um, But, um, you know, I think that it especially, but I think his best stretches, it's a little bit like when he was rookie where uh, he struggled to run the offense off the bench and i think his best stretches really did come next to randall that's part of the reason by the way i really wanted him to start over elf i actually thought at times that year it would have been better for elf to be with the bench because they needed a guy like him to run the bench right who was going to get just do the simple like absorb usage and assists or whatever because quickly struggled to access the paint and i thought quickly was much better than with randall because he could kind of play off him and, and wasn't in charge I think where quickly looked his worst was when it was just him, when Randall and Brunson both sat and he was playing with RJ because what it's a double whammy in that lineup. When Quickly's not aggressive, that means RJ is like, it's RJ Barrett time. And I think as good as RJ has been of late, he is at his best attacking from the wings, getting the ball in motion um, and, and attacking of those kind of things. And when quickly isn't kind of facilitating that movement and facilitating all of that, when it's just kind of a take turns thing between the two of them, that's when you really worry. Um, so what do I think quickly needs to do to change that? I think like if I was Thibodeau, I would try to get him and I would run some more off ball plays for him to try to get his confidence up without having taxing him, but give him a little bit break of, of a break from running the offense and reading not to take him off ball completely, but when he is off ball, instead of having him stand on the corner, get him a couple of those things to build his confidence. That's what they did with RJ, by the way. Because uh, a few games ago, I was pretty down. And I can't remember if it was a Sacramento game or the one before that. It seemed like everything changed when when the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> Every, <laughs> everything changed when he came off. Uh, you know, They had a side screen set for, for him by Sims. 
Sims set him a screen. He got the ball on the move. Simple one dribble alley-oop to Sims. After that, everything changed. His shots started falling. And they kept getting him the ball in those situations. Like Some stuff like that would work for quickly. Um, and then I think um, I think also letting him run more pick and roll with Mitchell Robinson. I think he's played a lot of his minutes with Hartenstein. Or he runs pick and rolls with Randall. Most of the time with Randall, the pick and rolls end up just a switch, and then you feed it to him, right, in the high post. Not criticizing it, but that's just not going to get quickly going. Uh, but I, again, I think he's fine when he plays with Brunson and Randall right now. But when he's tasked, to, he has to do more running the offense. Especially since they have benched Derrick Rose and McBride isn't ready for that yet. And um, and RJ and Quickly played well together last year when they played off each other. And right now it's just more of a take turns thing. <laughs> and Quickly's reverted. The other habit that's been annoying me is Quickly's reverted to, like last year, the second half, he, he was gnashing a lot more. Where he's not a guy that's going to, he's not John Morant where he's going to blow by you, right? Or Jaden Ivey or someone like that. He's often going to have the guy on his hip. What he was great at was gnashing or like putting the guy in jail or like using a hesitation. Um, or, you know, God forbid it's Raul, Raul Nito or Nito um, and quickly just destroys him, right? With the, with the step back. Um, you're seeing him pick up his. The, the one thing that drives me crazy is he gets to the free throw line, doesn't have an advantage, picks the ball up, and then doesn't throw a live dribble pass, doesn't like, he has to like reset completely and we know he's he's got way better vision and he's got way more you know handle and subtlety to do something better with that and um that happened a lot more tonight but to your point he's also he had some great moments i mean the the he had he had a huge three on the step back you know um off after the pump fake um and then the other like i also think he's just passing up a lot of threes where he tries to drive um, where he's gotten, I mean, he's shooting close to 50% from two point range this year. So he has been, that has been a real improvement in his game. And that's probably why he's passing up some of those. But, um, to, to what you were saying, I think it's, I don't know if I'd go so much as an identity crisis, but it's like, um, we all do this and you're, you're kind of, he's testing and learning, right? Um, you know, this is how, this is how you train like a, a machine learning algorithm. This is how people learn, right? Like. You have to try, and then you, you you air one side too much, and then you kind of balance the other way, like you know, like a seesaw. And he's seesawing a little bit um, between the two things. I think when it finally clicks, it's going to look awesome. He's going to have this two-point game. Probably, maybe will not be the same level of gunner he was as a as a rookie. I don't think he's ever going to be Bones Highland. Like he's just a more responsible player than that, for better and for worse. Um, and I'm also a huge Bones Island stand, but um, but I think like he's going to be, you know, I, I think Van Vliet is the comp I've used for him a lot, just a high level defense. And Van Vliet has struggled this year, but that's the type of player, high level defender, probably capable of running point guard, but probably a guy you want playing with and off of another ball handler, so that you ask like, who's the point guard? And the answer is yes, right? They can both do it, and they both can play off ball. Um, and um, I think when it gets there, it's going to look good. I do think it's going to get there. Um, but at the moment, it's just a little frustrating because as good, like he's been good at literally everything else. You just want like three-point efficiency and some of that, those, those kind of you know, really efficient performances that you've been seeing to come more frequently. But, but yeah. I think they'll come. And I think that the Knicks have confidence in them. And if they didn't, I think Rose would still be playing. So. 
Yeah, I think efficiency and and this was something Prez emphasized that I agree with them. Just just volume from three point range, just just getting them up and not not hesitating. I mean, you were referencing, and I think those play. are related, yeah. by the way, right? Because the yeah. confidence and the quality of looks that'll probably like taking more will actually probably help his efficiency. Yeah, I mean, it'll 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 even out the the numbers for a guy that I think we all agree has fantastic touch and is is a very good shooter. Um, but on that on that optimistic note, Stacey, uh, very late at night, so I will I will let you go. But can you can you tell everyone uh, one final time where they can find um, all your great work? Yeah, you can find me at Stacy Patton eighty nine. Uh, I'm also on the Strickland, and uh, yeah, we'll be putting out some draft stuff. So uh, keep your eye out, open for that. Pod Strickland, man, I, I listen listen every week. Always enjoy it. Uh, always learn a lot. Uh, Stacy, thanks again, and we'll talk to all of you soon. Um, Alex is going to come out with a, a preview of the next Bulls game and then a recap for that game, a weekend for the week, recap of the weekend game really late here. Um, and then so much more unlocked on next, but until then be good. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out. All right. Thanks so much, man. I, I appreciate you staying on for so long. Sorry. Um, sorry. You went so late. No, I, it was fun. Uh, glad we got to do this. So yeah, I had a, I had a blast. I'll probably, um, they've been really harping on us, um, for uh, the length of our podcast episode. So I'll probably put this out as two parts um, tomorrow, which is great. It makes my life a lot easier. So um, yeah, but I'll, I'll tag you everything once out. Cool. Sounds good. All right, cool. I'll see you next. Uh, best luck. Yeah, Thanks. Have a good one. Bye, dude.